0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, September 24, 2019, and um, I'm very happy to be back here at the desk after being in New York. And there certainly has been a lot of news. Things keep constantly turning and changing out there. Um, the news, you know, does affect the stock market on a short-term basis. It, it does. It can, Of course, it can affect the long-term, but most of the time it's the economy and not necessarily the day-to-day news, hot news item. You know, that doesn't really hurt or help the market long-term. But there's a lot of variables at, at work, as always. And I'm, I'm hoping that this show will give you an unbiased guidance to understanding what it's all going on out there. You know, today's news about the impeachment talk and about Trump's speech in front of the UN and, and about, you know, all, all, any kind of news that comes out, any, you know, natural disasters. How does it affect the market? And everything affects the market, it's just how financially long-term will it affect the market. That's what's important to you and me as investors. If you're a trader, then, in a, then the short-term is important to you. So in this hour today, we're going to talk about financial freedom, as we do every day on this show, and what that means for you. And it was very interesting, when I was in New York City talking to different people, it meant vastly different things to different people which I always suspected because I've been doing this for a while and I know that. Most people, I find that most wealthy people don't really plan on quote-unquote retiring. That's not their goal to retire. Not. Interesting. They're, 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 because they're already doing what they want to do. You know, they, they have earned enough money where they pursue their interests regardless of what income it produces for them because they have the money to afford to do it. And really, that's financial freedom having the choice. Get into a point where you get to make the choice of what you want to do. And that's what wealthy people do. They don't stop working. Anyways, remember, you're going to drive the show in any direction you want with your questions. It's a call-in show. So whatever aspect of financial freedom you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. Most of you want to talk about stocks, and we'll talk about those. I don't have a problem with that either. The number We're live now, and the number is 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T, chart 888 992 And real quick, I wanted to thank all the listeners that met with me in New York City. It was really fun visiting. And, you know, if you have not seen it, I suggest strongly you go see the 911... A museum and memorial there. It's very uh, moving, interesting and moving. And we took a, we took the tour. The tour is well worth it because we first walked around and then we decided to take the tour. And when you're walking around, you see a lot of different things and you recognize it, but the tour tells you about them. That's very good. So I, I really enjoyed that. And thank you everybody for meeting with me. I do appreciate it. I do have new dates. Um, on October 10th I'll be in San Jose. October 10th, San Jose, and I'm going to return for my second trip to New York City on November 7th, November 7th. So if you want to meet with me, talk about your portfolios, well, it's a good time to start pursuing that because we can set up a time. Remember, these are personalized evaluations. I can show you how to balance your investment portfolio so I can bring you greater performance and a lot less risk. And it's always a question of risk versus reward. How much risk do you want for how much reward? Because when you take risks, remember, things go down too. You can register for my, our meetings anytime. And you do that by going to investtalk.com. Send me an email. My main talking point today concerns a story about the historical, historically weakest week of the year. Guess what? We're in it right now. This is the historically the weakest week of the year. But there's one strategy who's not very much worried about it. Not worried about it at all. So, why isn't he? We're going to discuss that. I got some other stories I want to talk about. Why the stock market is going to rally big time. Why? Why is the stock market possibly going to rally for the big time into the year, or into next year? Why? I'm going to give you some very good reasons why it could. I'm not saying it will, but why it could. I want to talk quickly about utilities, the utilities index. And how about buying index funds? You know, that's been extremely popular over the recent years, can be more risky than you think, than you're led to believe. Why is that? And finally, the U.S. economy is not, Free and clear of the recession. Now, don't you find it interesting? The first story I mentioned here that I want to talk about is how the market is going to rally big. And then my last story is why the free economy is not free and clear of a recession. Because if we have a recession, the market going to crash. Hmm. Two sides of the same coin. That's, that's like a, that's like being an economist. On one point, on one hand, it's going to do really well. On the other hand, it's going to stink. Well. Yep. That's all true. So we'll talk about that. But first, let's go ahead and take some calls here. Well, I'm going to talk about, let's go ahead and talk to Noel in Napa. How are you doing, Noel?
2: I'm good, Steve. I'm glad you had a nice time in the Big Apple. It sounds exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was fun.
2: Yeah. Anyhow, I'm trying to get more defensive, and uh, I want to sell off some more stock, I think. And I'm looking at GDX, GLD, SLV. Is there something along the lines of GDX that, uh, is more for silver stocks or I guess the gold stocks are one and the same? When you mine gold, you get silver at the same time, I guess
1: yeah yeah you really are yeah um silver of course is a slv that follows the actual silver price if you want to track that gdx i'm saying I'm, I'm just repeating this no i know what you already know but g for everybody else gdx is a gold miners index so it tracks the miner stocks of gold and those miners do as uh, as Noel says do also mine silver and so you know Part of that move is in GDX is due to silver, but most of it is gold. So don't think you're getting a really big uh, slice of the silver market, no, by buying GDX. I don't know if there is a pure kind of silver mining ETF. I don't think there is. I really don't think so. Um, So, you know, either you're going to have to buy silver, the ETF for silver, SLV, or buy GDX for gold and a little bit of silver. That's pretty much as close as you're going to get. And of course, GLD is just pure gold. You know the price of gold, the price of gold. So I do think, I do think we're going to have another leg up on that gold. I do. Good luck, Noel. Yeah, I think getting a little bit more defensive won't be um, is not a bad thing. Let's put it that way. It's not a bad thing. Okay, eight 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 ninety nine chart is my number. Um, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And of course, we present this program every day, five shows a week, Monday through Friday. And of course, we broadcast and stream live in the four o'clock hour Pacific time. And whenever you have investment questions, whenever time, whenever that happens, I encourage you to explore the podcast library and you can call anytime you want to ask any questions you can't find the answer to. And I really, on the podcast, I really would, pers- when you subscribe, I would like you to rate me, rate me, R-A-T-E, rate me on Top Podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
3: It is a fast-moving Tuesday. Steve Peasley has returned from his no-cost portfolio review appointments in New York, and you are dedicated to achieving financial freedom. Well, you can get Steve's unbiased guidance if you call now with your investing questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART.
1: And as you know, I like to keep you up on economic news or statistics that come out or whatever. And today, we have the Consumer Confidence Index at 125.1. It's down from from August. Actually, it's been falling. Even though 125 is a high number, it has been falling, I think, for like two, three months. So, you know, maybe because geopolitical news and what's going on out there. Yeah, but, you know, the consumer is really not spooked yet. It's not. I don't see them being spooked. They got plenty of jobs. Gold was fifteen hundred twenty-six dollars an ounce, down four bucks. Oil at fifty-eight twenty-one a barrel. Fifty-eight is not bad. It's been in that range for a long time. It's only when it starts to really get out of that range you got to worry about. Gasoline two sixty-six a gallon on average. Of course, not here in California. You always add a buck, at least a dollar, usually more than a dollar, to per gallon for california the two-year treasury is at 1.65 the 10-year treasury is 1.7 that's important because that's normal whenever it inverts which we had a couple three weeks ago that's a little red yellow flag about a possible recession down the road so it's normal right now let's hope it stays there okay um let's see what else happened oh we had big news on netflix Netflix has been taking it on the chins, as you've probably seen. Before we uh, go any further, I must uh, tell you that we at KPP is shorting Netflix in one of our accounts, We, you know, meaning we think it will go down. Uh, Netflix lost 130,000 U.S. subscribers in the past year. It has now turned negative. After going straight up for the past part of the year, up about 40% by July, but now turned negative for the year. Netflix will spend $500 million, half a billion, to acquire Seinfeld, an old sitcom. $500 million. Can you believe that? That's a lot of money for an old sitcom. And this is the problem. They are looking for content. I warned you about this. When Disney came out, with. they're going to come out with their new... Uh, their new streaming service. I said then, oh, no, this is going to be a problem with Netflix because competition is coming in heavy, 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 heavy. And Netflix was all alone out there. Had it, you know, it was the king. Competition is coming like it always does. And the biggest problem with Netflix is content. That's why they paid half a billion dollars for Seinfeld. The company is pretty heavily in debt, $15 billion or so. It can't, it's got to double its subscription to help pay for its debt, to, to get on top of it. There's problems with Netflix. Just telling you, there's problems with it. Great service. Don't don't miss. You know, I, I hope you people understand by now. Because I talk negative about a stock or a stock price or about a company, doesn't mean the company's terrible. It just means that something's not right here. In Netflix Netflix's case, it's overvalued. Way overvalued, and it has lots of competition. Great company, great content, great concept. You know, but there's a big but. Barclay says that the current valuation for Netflix includes 750 million to 1.3 billion subscribers by 2026, and when it is predicted to stop growing. So how are they gonna get how are they gonna get to that? <laughs> That's the problem. That's your problem. Okay, everybody. Now here's the updated planned on IPL involved in WeWorks. Remember, that's the office uh, I, I actually work. You know, I rent space at WeWorks and use them, and I like them. But you gotta be careful. There's a dramatic battle playing out at the uh, troubled real estate workshare company WeWork. Members of the company's board are considering calling for the outside, outster outster of chief executive officer Adam Newman, and he actually stepped aside today. It's up to side. So he's gone. So Newman's fate is gone. The founder of the Japanese conglomerate SoftBank Group is Mayasashi Song. I don't know how to say that, but I think it's Mayasayoshi. Mayasayoshi Song. He is among those pushing for Newman to resign. Of course, he. That's exactly why he's out. He is gone. Remember that Network Reworks was going to come out with an IPO? Then decided, then withdrew it because they have so much debt. They are super in debt. I am warning you, if we're going to get a recession, those companies with lots and lots of debt are going to get hit the hardest. So it might be wise to watch out for your debt levels on the stock of companies that you own. Debt is a killer. Now, how do you think GM went out of business? It's because of debt. Killer. On the next Invest Talk, a new poll shows that 73% of gener- Generation X is way beyond, way behind on retirement planning. Gener- Generation X, why do they deserve the blame? The story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Pislar. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-Chart.
3: Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. That's our number. You can give me a call ask any financial question you want. Let's talk to Will in San Diego. How you doing, Will?
4: Oh, pretty good, Steve. Uh, I was wondering if real estate investment trusts would be a good place to be if the market uh, cools off. And uh, my symbol is MNR.
1: Okay. Um, man, uh, Monmouth Real Estate it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that owns, uh, owns well-located modern industrial building leads leased to investment-grade tenants on long-term. And the answer probably would be no, only because if the market does really take a beating, that usually means that we're in a recession, Will. And that usually means REITs get beat up. At the bottom of a recession, REITs look very, very attractive, very attractive. So it's not necessarily a good investment now. Um, it's not necessarily a terrible investment. It depends on the REIT. This particular one is going to make money this year, made money last year. Makes It's growing its money and making money every year. Not anything dramatic, but sales are up 13 to 15% or so, and it pays a 4.8% dividend it is not not overpriced with a reasonable price of 16 PE PE in a range five, 14 to 23, so it's right there. So it's it's a very this is a pretty darn good, pretty darn good REIT, will, but don't necessarily think that it's going to do well if the market crashes. It, it depends on why the market crashes. If it crashes or falls hard because of recession, then all REITs and all stocks will go down. But that would be a great time to buy more if you owned it now or to wait until that happens and buy into it. That would be a great time because this rate will go down. Okay? We'll appreciate the call. Thank you very much. My main talking point today concerns this story. We are now in the historical weakest week of the year. But one strategist is not worried about it. Weakest week of the year. Okay, so it's mathematical. We don't have to guess this particular week, like the third week or so in September. This week, historically, has been the worst-performing week ever, on average, and that ties into where I've talked. We've talked about the weakest part of the year, and that's in the summer and. The, you know, the the two middle quarters of the year are the weakest quarters. And then we've talked about the market has weakest months, and September is the weakest month, even though October has the worst days ever in the market. But October is also known for the market bottoming for the rally toward the end of the year, November, December. So, you know, that, that means October is not the worst month, but it does mark the bottom quite often. And then the market starts rallying again. So this is the weakest week. Now, if we had a crystal ball, which we do not have, you know, you would want to buy the market right after the weakest week, right? Next week, because that means you're buying it on a, on sale. And if we had a crystal ball, we'd wait till October because we want to buy after the weakest month of the year, which is September. And if we really, really had a very good crystal ball, we'd want to buy the market the day after the worst day in October, because that's known for having the worst days of the year. See how difficult this is? It's not that simple. I have a paper, a newspaper, Wall Street Journal in front of me, uh, dated the uh, in October. Gee, it's getting kind of ratty. I meant to make, maybe I should protect this paper. It's all yellow now and everything. But the date is Tuesday, October 20th, that, uh, 1987. That's when the market went down 508 points. In today's terms, you say, oh, that's not much. That was 20% in one day. Figure out what 20% is on the new, the, the uh, Dow now. Two, 2,000 plus. <laughs> so that's how deep that was. But the day after that was the best time to ever buy the market. So that's, you know. You like buying the weakest days, weeks, months after they have happened. Problem is, you don't know when they're going to happen. I can tell you statistically. Oh, this has been the weakest, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be this year or next year the weakest. I can't tell you that. So you know, it's difficult to use. It's you know what I like knowing those numbers as a background, but I don't I don't necessarily react to them. I don't do that. Because I just you know I react to more of the economic numbers and economic reality we live in. Okay, eight 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 ninety nine charters our number eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight utilities. You know we mentioned that the Dow Jones and utilities D D J G J U, and we mentioned utilities work the best in a weaker market. Uh, utilities, gold, and those things we, we were recommending for this year. Uh, most of the beginning of the year. And, well, the uti- Dow Jones Utility Index is at uh, right close to its record high point. So that the utilities indexes work. Why do they work? Well, because they, they are very defensive. Utilities are defensive, and you get a really nice dividend while you're waiting. You can get a lot better than waiting in a 10-year treasury or a 2-year treasury and get a lot better yield by buying utilities. Okay. Anyways, trivia question time. President Trump gave a speech today to the, the to the UN. And as we go to break, here's a trivia question What percentage of the UN budget is financed with funds from the US Treasury? What percentage of the UN budget is financed by us? I'll have the answer after the break. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at 888 99Chart.
3: This is Invest Talk made possible by KPP Financial where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward
0: your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. This
3: is Invest Talk, and we are already into the last full trading week of September. The next KPP Financial Wealth Conference is set for Saturday, October 12th in Irvine, California. The focus will be on real estate investing. You can learn more now at InvestTalk.com. The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin invite your questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. Before the break, I asked a trivia question. And the question was, what percentage of the U.N. budget comes from the United States Treasury? Us. We pay him for it. Okay, here's the answer. The United Nations U.N. is an intergovernmental organization tasked with maintaining international peace and security. They don't seem to do a great job with that, but... It has 193 member states, two observer states, And the U.N. was established in June of 1945. The U.N. is funded by voluntary contributions of the member states by percentage. The United States contributes the most, as you probably guessed, at 22%. The next closest payer, China, at 12%. Then the United uh, of the budget, right? Then comes Japan, pays 8%. South Korea, 2%. How much do you think Russia puts in? How about 2%? How about Iran? Zero. North Korea? Zero. Now, in the 74 years since inception, how many heads of the state, Secretary General, the head of the the UN, how many of them have there been who've held that office? The answer is nine. And how many of those do you think are American? Zero. None. None. Hmm. Don't you think we should be one of those nines, at least one? I mean, we pay the lion's share of the dang budget. Anyways, let's go ahead and get some calls in. James in Sonoma, how are you doing, James? Wants to talk about bonds or preferred stocks? Which ones are better? How are you doing?
2: Yeah, well, that that's my question, really, and will make me feel even here. Let's just say you have two ETFs. You have a, a corporate bond like LQD uh, versus uh uh-huh. Uh, uh, ETF, uh, what do I got here on my screen? Uh, PRP. Uh, so my question really is, if, uh, both ETFs, what would, and if you, and you need more fixed income, would you advise, um, uh, preferred stocks or would you advise bonds, uh, assuming everything else is equal? In other words, you only get two choices. You can't go, well, I need to look at my allocation or anything like that. It's just a straight,
1: uh-huh, you gotta go with uh-huh.
2: one or the other. You the are product. the
1: yields equal to? are the yields equal to?
2: No, no. Um in this in this case okay. I'm just using this as an example. The uh bond is a little bit okay. uh, three and a three and a quarter percent and the other one is uh oh probably four and a half percent. I just that'd be my guess. That's the last time I looked at it.
1: I, I would probably go for, right at this time the preferreds. At this time in history, the preferreds. Why would I do and that? Why? Because the federal government is still pushing downward on interest rates, and when they're pushing downward, that tends to move bonds and preferreds up in value. However, I think the Fed is getting very close. I mean, how far down is down? Uh, if the when the economy turns around, you're not going to be want you're not going to want the bonds. That's for sure. So I'm kind of thinking with the higher yields in today's market the preferreds might be preferable, especially in an ETF. If you are buying individual bonds, that'd be a different story. I like the bonds then. But if you're buying ETFs or a bond fund or a preferred ETF, I think I'd go with preferred. James, appreciate the call. Thank you. Good question. Let's go to Sean in Fremont. How are you doing, Sean? Doing great, Steve. Great show. Thank you. Have, Thank you. I have a couple of questions. You
2: know, one, uh, I have two
1: questions. You know, one
2: is... Um, uh, way to invest uh, emergency fund, I think that's one. Second thing is, what's your outlook for Boeing for the next uh, you know, three months or so?
1: Okay, where where to invest in the utility fund? Is that what you asked me about? Way to invest
2: emergency fund. Hmm,
1: okay, okay. Um, I really can't give you suggestions. I can answer questions. The SEC does not let me say, I think you should go out and buy XYZ Company. They won't let me do that. They Like, if you ask me, what fund should I buy? Or what stock should I buy? Or should I be in? But if you ask me, like, should I buy this fund or that fund? I can answer that question based on what my opinion is. But I can't just give you uh, something to buy or sell. But I can answer the question about Boeing. OK, Boeing, everybody knows Boeing. They've had that big problem with their 737 uh, uh, X model, or whatever that was, Max, whatever that was. And I think Boeing at some point is going to make a pretty big comeback. They they lost. They, they're only going to make two $4.02 this year. But next year, they're probably they have an estimate of making twenty-two dollars and eighty and forty-four cents a share. Sales this last quarter went down thirty-five percent because of that Max Eight plane, you know, uh, and that's going to be behind them. That is a short-term issue. So I do like Boeing. Um, I think they're. I think you might want to wait for another little pullback, maybe down to the $350 there. It's at 381 now. But maybe the 350, 355, somewhere in that range, I think would be a better buy point. But I do like Boeing long term because this is a short term issue they're having. And it looks like on a chart that people are already forgiving Boeing for this issue. So, yeah, I'd just wait for a next little pullback and I'd buy it. Appreciate it. Call Sean. Thank you uh let's see let's go to uh tom in kentucky how you doing tom i'm hey, doing good steve uh i got one day ask about betting i called you back in may and i think it was like 159
2: a share at that time and you told me you i might get a better price and i was kind of waiting for 150 and you know the bad news the other day you know made a drop and you know at least if it's if the peas, Next year could be like eleven if it pays, if its earnings are thirteen dollars or so. I'm like, where mm-hmm. do you think the the right price is? And do you think their business model is somehow outdated, or are they in major trouble? Because I think Amazon's got to build out a lot of infrastructure before they just crush FedEx.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm. I like FedEx, really. Uh, there's two major players, right? We know FedEx and UPS. And, of course, the next major player wants to be Amazon. You know, And Amazon wants to be the best of everybody's world, right, the best at doing all the different things that they're, they want to do. And at some point, they're not going to be successful. For instance, remember when they bought Whole Foods? they're having a hell of a time trying to keep that you know that sector of the market growing and now they want to discount some of the products of whole foods i i'm, I'm not sure that fed that uh, that amazon's going to be successful in the food industry and i mentioned it at the time because of the competition now coming into delivery they have a built-in model because they have you know people buy stuff so that's that's their big benefit but will they Will they outperform FedEx and UPS? And I don't know. I think FedEx is here to stay. Personally, I don't think that it's going to destroy that model, but it's going to be tighter competition. And I thought it was there was a lot of support at $150 or so, and it broke right through that last two, three days. Um, so I guess the, you know, where is the next support level? Well, they have a 9 to 23 range of the P.E., and they're supposed to make like $13 a share. So and 10P, that's 130 and it's at 143 So it might go down further. I would be, if, did you buy it yet, Tom? Tom, did you buy it? No, I haven't. Do you own it? I was just kind of seeing what okay.
2: you thought the magic price might be, you know.
1: going to kind of okay. hold out
2: for that. So I'll kind of look for your advice.
1: Okay, let's take a look at a little bit longer chart. Hmm, well, I'm not getting much help on a three-year chart. So I'm going to go to a five-year chart. See if I can get even a longer look at that chart. Yeah. Okay, on a five-year chart, I doubt seriously they'll go below about $120, $125 a share. So if it breaks down and keeps going down, the next slow, slow part is about one thirty-five, and then the next one is about one twenty-five. If it can show any kind of strength in those areas, I'd probably be a buyer. Okay, so meaning let it go. If it goes sideways to start to back up, then I'd be a buyer. Okay, appreciate the call, Tom. Good question. FedEx, FDX, FedEx, FDX is a symbol. I'm Steve Pieczenik. You're listening to Invest Talk. So I think it. It's pretty safe to assume that you're serious about investing or you wouldn't be listening to the show, right? No one does who's who's not serious, right? Because who wants to talk about this stuff except for us people that like to listen to the financial news and learn better how to grow their money. So one of the things that you need to learn when you're trying to grow your money is how to judge your personal fear level. How much fear are you able to handle without panicking out? Or for that matter, panicking in the market. You have to define that comfort zone. And at KPP Financial, I have a little tool to help you with that. It's free. It's a free online tool at InvestTalk.com. InvestTalk.com with two T's, no space. It's called Riskalyze. It's a risk questionnaire. It's very short, but it scores your risk tolerance from 0 to 100. And the brown 80 is the risk of the S&P 500. So to start understanding where you are and how much risk you're comfortable with, go to investtalk.com and take that questionnaire. So you'll get your risk tolerance score. What happens is it reports to me and then I look at it and I report back to you what we can, what's the next step and that's to take a look at your portfolio. I'm ready to take your questions now at 888-99 chart.
3: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. For serious investors interested in improving their ability to build financial freedom, we have an important invitation to a new KPP Wealth Management Conference Earning Yield in a No Yield World Investing in Real Estate, Stocks, and Bonds. Speakers will include Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. And they'll be joined by real estate experts and a trust attorney. The October 12th conference in Irvine, California, will cover these topics. Understanding real estate investing, from buy and hold to vacation rentals and land banking. How the trade war and economic trends will affect stocks and bonds. Ways to increase your income potential and defer taxes using trusts. And a lot more. Seating is limited to 50 attendees. Tell your friends, the newest KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference is set for October 12th. Learn more and sign up now at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART. Let's talk to
1: Paige in Sunnyvale. How are you doing, Paige?
4: I'm just fine, thank you. Thank for calling. I my... Yeah, you're welcome. I just switched my brokerage services from Fidelity to First Trade to get zero fee trading privileges. And okay. I used to, I used to put the money that I had on the sidelines in a money market fund, but First Trade doesn't have one. And I read that a short maturity bond ETF would be a safe alternative. I've got one in mind, and I'm just oh. curious if there's anything I need to be aware of. Is that a safe? place to be on the sign lines especially
1: if there's a bond bubble okay the question you're asking is how safe is the short-term bond fund and my answer would be it depends on the fund and it should be an ultra short-term bond fund not just a short-term bond fund ultra short-term bond funds usually have maturities less than 30 days Okay. OK, so rising and falling of interest rates doesn't really affect them. So all you're really worried about is safety and how much income like a savings account it can produce and that produce them between two and three percent, some of them a little bit more. But of course, the safety of any bond fund is how quality the bonds are. Right really the shorter they are the more safer they are and the higher quality they are the safe they are of course that means less return for you so the if the short-term bond fund is described as just short-term that means one to three years by the way short-term mm. and that is not nearly as safe as an ultra short-term bond fund now i have a short list of Three, I think, ultra short-term bond funds. If you want them, send me an email and I'll send them to you. And you only send me email, so it reminds me to send it to you. Just ask for it, okay? okay. And I'll send it to you. Thank so you, you want the ultra ultra short-term bond fund ETF list? And I'll send it to you. Okay, Paige.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. I love that name, Paige. My favorite. One of my favorite nieces. Not my favorite because if I say she's my favorite, and I got you know 15 others, I can't say that one of my favorite nieces. How's that? I got 39 nieces and nephews, so you know. <laughs> I got to be careful. I love them all. 888-99 chart 888 Okay. You know, you, you know how whined about there's two you know we the index funds have become so popular that in a fall in the market you know the etfs that attract the s&p 500 and all the people investing in them could cascade the market downward because they're all trying to get out at the same time well there's also another little problem with these and you know i don't know for sure i don't want to cause you to worry too much about them but no one knows because we've never had this index explosion the etf index of people owning them so we don't know what happens when the things start to turn ugly. Anyway, the other problem with S&P 500 ETFs is that 17% of the S&P 500 is made up of just five companies. The ultra big companies because it's market weighted, that index. 17%, five companies only. So what happens if those five companies go down? Just those five. The rest of the market doesn't. I guarantee you that index will fall. So there's another little issue I think we should be aware of. This is the Best Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. We all have our own definitions of what that is. And we're going to continue with that goal after this break. So Eric and San Mateo, you're next. Hold on to get your question in. Call 888-99-CHART.
3: On the next Invest Talk, a new poll shows that 73% of Generation X is way behind on retirement planning. Why? And do they deserve the blame? That story tomorrow. But now Steve Feasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions.
1: 888
3: 99 Chart.
1: Okay, let's go to Eric and San Mateo. How you doing, Eric? We want to talk about municipal bonds? How's it going?
4: Good, Steve. Thanks for uh, your podcast. It's great. Um, I You're have a question. So, um, we uh, we had a managed account with um, Fidelity, and we were, we took twenty uh, percent out to buy a property, investment property. Uh, it kind of fell through. Okay. Um, we kind of bought it. Oh, we sold the. Uh, it was all stocks, um, so we took it out. It was we sold it at a profit, and the investment property fell through. So our advisor recommended, you know, since we sold at a profit and um, the market is really high right now, to invest it into a managed account for municipal bonds, where it's tax free. Um, you'll get a four to five percent return. Uh, so, in case we do have find another property to buy or, uh, when the market goes down, to reinvest in the market. What are your thoughts, thoughts on that strategy?
1: Okay. Okay. That um, depends. What tax bracket are you in?
4: Uh, the highest, probably.
1: Okay. Okay. So, then a double tax-free benefit is a good one for you because when you buy municipal bonds in a particular state, um, and you're calling from uh, K D O W, so I'm assuming you're in California. So the double tax-free, in other words, you don't have to pay income tax from this on the money that you earn with state or the federal, could benefit you with a, a, you know an extra point or two of interest because you don't have to pay taxes on the money that you earn. Uh, the danger in in that thinking is getting out of those bonds if you're going to use that money to buy real estates down the road. Not that you can't get out. Of course you could get out. You could sell them, but you don't know what at what price at what price you can get out. So the value of your municipal bonds, if interest rates keep going down, then you'll be able to get out of it at a higher price and you'll be fine. If interest rates start turning around on us in the next 6 months a year or 2 years, whatever, just know that that bond fund even though it's a municipal bond, it will go down in value as yields go up, okay? So the value could go could go down. For the time being, you know, they're not, you know, it's it's an okay trade. Is it an ETF, exchange-traded fund, or a mutual fund? No, it
4: would be a, a managed account. So the managed account, they would uh, buy about 30 okay. mun- municipal bonds and then... Uh, have different uh, maturity dates so just spread it out
1: so okay so then I don't really have a problem with that I really don't other than that the only danger is if interest rates start to rise on you but that's kind of slim at this point I don't think rates are going to go up anytime soon so I don't, Eric I think I, I'll give you a thumbs up on that I'm okay with that
4: okay? I appreciate that Steve thanks for your input
1: no no problem thanks Eric good luck I hope you find some properties 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Why the stock market is going to rally big time in the next year? Why? Why, do, why is that a possibility? And I've got one reason. Cash. Many major players are sitting on huge piles of Cash. In other words, they've gotten out of the market, or they've cut way back out of their exposure to the market. There's $3.4 trillion in money markets right now. And that's not the only place there's cash, but that's the only place we count easily. $3.4 trillion in money market. So do some comparisons. I always like the comparison. How much do you think there was at the height before the financial crisis? How much cash was there? At the height. Of the financial crisis, okay, just before it happened, not in the financial crisis, but just before the height of the market before the financial crisis. I left out the word market. <laughs> Whoa, it was three point nine trillion. Remember, we have three point four trillion now, and the height of the of the market before the financial crisis was three point nine trillion. At the bottom of the financial crisis, after it happened. How much cash have, do we have? 2.6 trillion. So, there's always a lot of cash, but a trillion dollars less. So, that's, you know, we got a lot of cash in the sidelines. So, that will push stock prices up, especially if the yields on bonds are so low. They don't, no one's going into bonds. We don't want to, anyways. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Talk program. I will be here tomorrow, and I want you to tell your friends. Okay, on Friday's program, I will share highlights on the latest KPPP Newsletter, by the way. So have a good night, everybody. See you tomorrow.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities.